0: you are and and who you promise to be and we just pray that even though circumstances of life can can be hard such as these times that you would be with them I pray that you'd be with the family of both of these people that you would be with them and and to as they grieve to know that you are you are good to know that these are hard times and I and I pray that you would provide people in their life to to be with them in these times and to to provide some sense of communion and some sense of peace But Father, I want to pray for our community as well and and that you would do a work here in our community that that you would use us to do that. Today on this fifth Sunday that we call Be the Church Sunday, we pray that you would use us to be the church not only today and not just every fifth Sunday, but every day of our lives. We pray that you would use us and transform us into your people and into the people that you've called us to be. And it starts with with the decision each and every day to live it for you. But Father, we're thankful for who you are and and the promises that you make us and and the things that we read in your word that that have happened so that we can be here today. Father, we thank you for who you are and what you've done in this place. We love you and we pray this in your name, amen. Well, this morning, we're continuing a series that if you've been here the past few weeks, you know what we're we're doing here. We're, We're continuing this series called The Problem of God. And the series has just really gone through some, some different problems that people have had with faith or with church. And, and we've just brought up questions and conversations to, in order to continue a conversation so that we can say, hey, I know that there's an issue here. Let's talk about it. It's issues that some of us who maybe have been in church a long time really don't even know exist sometimes. Or maybe we're all too aware that they exist and we don't do a whole lot about it. So today we're gonna bring up another uh, another problem, another conversation, and and I want you to know that my primary audience is not most of you here today. As I'm speaking today, I I realize that most of you in this room are are professed believers. You you are followers of Jesus, and and that's great, but there's some in this room that are not. If that's you, then I'm talking to you specifically today, but if you are a follower of Jesus, I want you to listen in because this is a problem that, that I know we've all experienced in some way that we've all heard about. And the reason I want you to listen in if you are a follower of Jesus is because it might be a slap in the face to some of us, but that might be a good slap in the face if if you know what I mean. It might be the kind of thing that we need to to kick ourselves in gear. Uh, The problem that we're talking about here today is the problem of hypocrisy. Now you guys know what hypocrisy is. I, I don't know anyone that doesn't. It's saying one thing or believing one thing and doing the exact opposite. Right? Like, we've all experienced this at some point in our lives. We've all experienced uh, people saying one thing and doing another. And for me, I know growing up, it drove me nuts because my parents did it all the time. And I'm sure you guys can, can tell some stories that are, that are similar to this one. But I was trying to figure out an, an example of hypocrisy from my parents. And so I texted my brother this past week and I said, what are some examples that you can think of, of when mom or dad were, were hypocrites? And he said, oh, I'm watching it right now. He still lives at home. He says, I'm watching it literally right now. I texted him near dinner time. He said, remember the rule, no phones at the table? If you're close to my age, you, you might know this where, no, dinner time is for we sit down, we ask about your day, we want to know what's going on, and, and we, we, we're just family time. That's what it is. Inevitably, every time, out comes mom's Kindle and she's reading a book. And here's dad, as soon as he's done eating, but we're all still eating, out on his phone. There it is and then we'd pull it out and we'd get in trouble. You know how it works, it's it's all the time. He says, I'm watching it right now, it's happening as I'm speaking, I actually just got in trouble for having my phone out, I'll put it back now. But we all know what this is, we all know what hypocrisy is, and as annoying as it is, I don't know anyone that loves it, I don't know anyone that says, oh I love when people just do the opposite of what they say. As annoying as it is, it's more damaging than you'd think. When it comes to our faith, when it comes to hypocrisy in, in our Christian walk, it can be incredibly damaging and the thing is we don't always remember that we don't always think about it see in th- a study done by the barna group in 2007 they asked people who, who reject christianity they asked them why do you reject christianity what is the reason that you you don't believe god exists or what is the reason that you won't step foot in a church or, or anything like that what are those reasons why is that the, r- the top three answers and I want you to know that these three answers were 80% of each person, of, or of, of everybody that was surveyed answered these. So all of these are above them. The top three answers were anti-homosexual, judgmental, and hypocritical. Anti-homosexual, judgmental, homo- er, hypocritical. That's pretty important because I, when I read that, I was kind of shocked because I noticed none of those had anything to do with beliefs. They weren't issues with the virgin birth. They weren't issues with Jesus dying and raising from the dead. They weren't issues with anything that we believe, but they were issues with how we act. So to those who are followers of Jesus in this room, that should speak volumes to you. The number one stumbling block for why people, or the top three stumbling block for why people don't want to come to faith is because of how we act. That should speak volumes to you. And some of you, you get that, that that's a good thing. So I, I hear these statistics and, and I think, yeah, I get that, that makes sense. And specifically about uh, hypocrisy, I totally see it. I've been on Facebook. Share if you love Jesus, right? Right? Like and comment if you love Jesus. If you don't, you know, there's a picture of the devil and scroll right past and, and the devil will come after you. You know all that type of stuff, we've all seen it but I've seen people who share if they love Jesus just for their next post to be one and filled with hate. I'm sure you've seen it too. I've seen Christians who deliberately hurt one another or even people who aren't Christians. I've seen it happen. I've been a part of it. And unfortunately, I've been that person sometimes and if we're honest, I think all of us have it once or twice. These are, this is the top three reason and I believe it was 85% of people who don't want to come to faith, quote, this reason. I wonder what that is. I I think it's really important. But the first step for us, for those of us who, who claim to be followers of Christ, the first step for us is to acknowledge there's a problem. And I think that's a pretty easy one, to know that this is a problem. We've all seen it. You guys have all been on social media as well. We know exactly what's going on here. But not to just acknowledge there's a problem, but to apologize for it to apologize for the fact that we have not done what we've been called to do. So on on behalf of of Christians, and I'm not talking specifically about this church, but I'm talking about the church, all churches, I wanna apologize for if you've ever been hurt by someone who claims to be a Christian and has acted in a way that's not loving. Because we're called to love. That's it. The the entirety of the message is, remember the, the greatest commands, he says, Love, love God, love others. It's very simple. We're called to love, and if, if you have been hurt by anything but that, I apologize. So you may ask then, if we're all called to love, if Christians are called to love, then why are there still hypocrites? Right, like the, the number one belief that they have is to love people. That's the response to everything that they're called to do, so why, why are there hypocrites? I have two reasons that I've come up with to think about why, why hypocrites are out there. And, and the first reason, you're not gonna like it, some of you. Again, this is kind of that, that slap in the face that, that might be a good thing, but you might be a bit upset about it. And, and I understand that. The f- first reason for why there's hypocrites in the church is because not everyone who comes to church is a Christian. And, and I don't mean that. Like, there, there's some guests here today, and there's some guests probably every day in every church, or at least a lot of them, and that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the people who have been to church week in, week out, day in, day out, week after week, month after month, year after year. What I'm suggesting is some of those people might not be Christians. And what I, say by that, what I mean by that is not that they don't believe that Jesus exists, not that they don't believe that, that he actually died and rose again from the grave. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is instead, they haven't let the transforming work of Jesus into their heart. Right, Christianity is all about what Jesus has done for us and they haven't let that transform them yet. And one of the songs we sang, we, we talked about how this transforming work of God and what this is all about is letting that transforming work change who we are from the inside out so that we become people of love and only people of love. And what I'm suggesting is that some people who have been to church year after year after year after year, 50 plus years even, haven't let that happen yet. And so if, if, You are one of those people, one of those 80% of people who say that hypocrites in the church are one of the reasons I'm not a part of it. Just know that. There are people who are here who, who may act like they've got it all together, but let me tell you, they don't. That's not how it works. Right, like Jesus, his number one critique was for these type of people. He called them wolves in sheep's clothing. He called them cups that are clean on the outside, but full of greed and self-indulgence on the inside. He called them whitewashed tombs who are beautiful on the outside, but full of death on the inside. His number one critique was for these type of people. I mean, in his day, they were the Pharisees. They were the, the teachers of the law that knew everything there was to know. They have all the head knowledge. They know exactly what it means to be a Christian. And we have people like that too, but we, How many times do you know, how many people do you know who look great on the outside but on the inside, it's a wreck? Jesus' harshest critiques were for these type of people. And The second reason, both of these reasons actually come down to misunderstandings, misunderstood perceptions of what it means to be a Christian or what it means to go to church or to to live this life. The first one had everything to do with, with a misguided perception from the people in church, right? If I go to church every Sunday, I'm good. Like I've done everything I need to do. I'm a Christian, I, I tithe, I go to church every Sunday, I, I attend a Bible study, I'm maybe even in a life group. But it's more than that and it's a misguided perception that, that that's all we need to do. It's about the things that we need to do. It's a misguided perception. The second one, the second reason I have is a misguided perception from the people on the opposite side of the coin. People who aren't yet a part of a church. It's a misguided perception that says something completely different. And and to share that, I I have a story. My friend Alex, when I was in high school, I worked at a grocery store. I was a bagger, I was a cashier. And Alex was a coworker with me and we'd started to get pretty close and I was getting to the point in my faith where I I felt compelled to to now invite people to church. And so I invited Alex. I I knew Alex wasn't a part of a church, so I invited him and, and his answer to why he wouldn't come is one that I've heard hundreds of times since. And I didn't quite get it at the time, but now, now I get it. I mean, I understand what he's saying. He said, I'm not gonna go to church with you. I'm not good enough to. Right, he saw, he looked at the church and he saw these people who were all put together. He said, Trevor, look at you, you, you dress better than me. He said, you don't know the things I do. I'm not 21, but I'm drinking. I am smoking and not the legal stuff. You should see the car I drive. It's got rust all over it. Yours looks a whole lot nicer than mine. What he saw was a a misguided perception that Christians are good. Which don't get me wrong. I'd love for Christians to be good. But it's not how it works. He saw that everyone has their life together. They've got it all together. And if I can be the first person to say, I don't have my life together, right? Some days I don't even feel like I have half of it together. And I'm sure some of you (laughs) are similar. I know I've talked to many of you and, We don't all have it together. That's part of the reason we we push life groups is because just being a part of a life group for the past year that I've been here, we've all got stuff. You wouldn't see that unless you're a part of a life group. And so the misguided perception that that he bought into was that people in church have their life together and they're good. They live better than I do. They, They don't do the bad things that I do or maybe I don't even think they're bad, but they don't approve of it. It was a misguided perception that said that I'm not good enough for this. And what I didn't know to say to him in that moment was that that's not, you're missing the point. That, that's something different, there, there's something different that you're not quite seeing. See, because just because you go to church doesn't mean that you're a mature Christian, right? We're all at different places in our spiritual journey. Some people we we know who who just accepted Christ, sometimes sometimes we like to call them baby Christians. And sometimes these people do things differently than people who have been Christians for years. Right? Part of the goal of Christianity, part of the goal of coming to faith is that we like to become more like Jesus. It's this idea of holiness that we become more like him and, and through that we become people filled with love where love just overflows throughout us but we're at different places in that journey. I can tell you when I became a Christian, I was not as loving as I am today. And my hope is that 10 years from now, I'll be much more loving than I am right now. Sometimes that doesn't happen, but that's my hope for for myself. That's my prayer for myself. And that's my prayer for all of you is that as you progress in your faith journey, that you would become more people of love. There was a story that, that I was told where pastor came up one day to preach and, and he was preaching on uh, do not be unequally yoked. That's it's the nice Christian way of saying don't date, other, don't date non-Christians. Not exactly sure how I, how I feel about that. So anyway, one, one older man in the congregation goes up to, to a girl who's dating a guy that's not a Christian and says, you need to break up with him. He's a bad kid. He's a bad guy. You see what he's smoking? She said, oh, he's smoking? What's he smoking? Cigarettes, of course. What else would you be smoking? And she said, Thank God. It's better than he was smoking last week. (laughs) We need to judge people not based on what they're doing now, but where they've been. Just because you've been in church doesn't mean that you're a mature Christian. And so like I said, my audience today is not those of us who are in the church, not those of us who call ourselves believers, but those of us who, who don't yet call ourselves believers. Don't judge everybody the same because we're not the same. See, in this misguided perception that church is full of good people, I'd love that to be true, but it's just not. See, we like to say that the church, it's not a country club. We're not a country club full of perfect people who all have our our nice houses on the golf course and we all go to the country club and we have a good time and hang out together. That's not it. Although it's seen that way, that's not it. The church at its best is a hospital. It's full of broken people who acknowledge their brokenness and say that I have really screwed up in life. I have sinned. I have done things that are awful and I'm a broken person. But I know that there's a God who loves me and I'm just reaching out for his grace. At its best, that's the church. Sometimes we, we Christians don't quite get that. See, because you'll, you'll go to just about every church in America and you'll find people who have it all together, who act like they have it all together, like they've got everything. God has blessed me more than anything in the world and that's great, I'm, I'm sure he has blessed you. But that's creating the, the hypocritical stereotype that, that we're trying to, to knock down. Right, so I said the first step for us is to is to. Acknowledge and apologize for this issue that that there are hypocrites in the church. We know there are. We need to acknowledge and apologize. Acknowledge and apologize. But secondly, we need to actually do something about it. If I if I saw a kid hit another kid and I said, say you're sorry, does that solve the problem? How many parents are in the room know that sorry doesn't cut it? Right? Sorry doesn't cut it. Change the behavior. Do something different. Don't hit again. Do something nice so that you can make up for the hitting, although that doesn't still cut it, it's something. And so for us, acknowledge the problem, apologize for it, but then what are we gonna do to fix it? So today, we, it's the fifth Sunday of the month and every fifth Sunday of the month, we try to do something that we call um, Be the Church Sunday. The whole point is that we go out and we be the church. We are the hands and feet of Christ going out in the community, being the church, doing the things, to to try and apologize, to try and make things better. Although we know we can't do everything, we can do something. Unfortunately, the rain today has caused a bit of an issue, so the plan was to go and clean up parks and around around the area and to clean up around the rescue mission. And there are some people today, you might notice that there's some seats empty, there's some people today who are right now at the rescue mission serving a meal for the homeless. There are some people right now going out and being the church that are part of our congregation. And so if you've signed up to be a part of the park cleanup, uh, I regret to inform you that we, we've actually postponed that. We will get out information on, on when we'll do that at a later date. But the steps that we need to take are acknowledge the problem, apologize for it, and then do something about it. How are we gonna live into the people of love that we're called to be? How are we gonna begin to be the church outside of this place? You know, the church is not a building. We we say it all the time, but I don't know if we actually believe that the church is not a building. Every time that you go up to someone, every time you do something to someone or with someone, you're being the church. You get to decide how the church is portrayed. Every time that you go to someone with a harsh word, the church said that harsh word to them because they know that you're a Christian. In their mind, right? So when we go to people, we've got a really heavy responsibility. Represent our our church selfishly, but represent Jesus well. Because people are on the lookout for hypocrites. 80% of non-Christians say that's the reason they don't want to become Christians. So let's not be hypocrites. It's easy in theory, but we all know it's difficult. We're called to be a people of love. How are we gonna do that? I'm gonna pray today and we're gonna go. Like I said, we had plans to go out into the community and and although we're cutting a bit short um, for that reason, go out today and find some way that you can be the church. And I wanna challenge you not just today. You know that you can do this every day. You know that church should not just be on Sunday, that we should do this every day of our lives, that we should find ways to be the church every day. Father, we thank you for today and we thank you for, for who you are and who you have been. We pray that as we go out that we would remember that we carry your name with us, that we represent you in, in every area of our lives and we just pray that you would be with us today. As we go out and we figure out how to be the church, what is it that I can do today to be the church that you would just give, an, give us an answer? Whether it's something as simple as go out to lunch and leave a larger tip than normal because maybe that, that waiter or waitress, maybe they know we're Christians and, and maybe they wanna see something from us. Father, no matter what it is, I just pray that you would give us opportunities to go and be the church in any interaction that we have today and the rest of our days. We would go and learn and grow to just be more like you. Ultimately, that's our goal, to be more like you. So Father, we're, we're thankful for who you are in this place today. We love you and we pray this in your name. Amen. You're dismissed, thank you.